It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 11th of October, coming to you from... New Orleans, the Crescent City, the Zion hype, and we're in the middle of it. We'll talk about that. We'll touch on a little bit of the coaches' challenge as well for you, and we continue our Get to Know series. It was fun to hear from Justin Wright Foreman. How about we hear from Mike Conley? That's coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it a lot more fun to be a Jazz fan every single day. Hope you're doing great. Uh, Zion Train is here. We'll touch on that. Uh, John Ollinger wrote his Southwest Division preview in The Athletic, so we'll touch on that. We will hear from Mike Conley in our Get to Know segment. Uh, for you today update on the jazz kind of a they didn't really practice per se yesterday but they did go over to Marquette and kind of run through a few things and get loose get out there and then we flew over here uh, they had had a they had a team dinner after the loss in Milwaukee for some kind of bonding get this group together first road trip uh, for this group and have them all kind of get to know each other we'll go shoot around at the Smoothie King Center this morning uh, and then get ready for uh, a matchup with New Orleans. Uh, ate at Clancy's last night, which is kind of a legendary New Orleans place if you're interested in, in that. Um, so the Zion train is on full throttle and should be. I'm big on the Pelicans. Uh, John Hollinger today calls him a left-handed Charles Barkley. Uh, maybe. I think he's Blake Griffin. As of right now, Blake Griffin, and probably going to shoot a better percentage than Blake Griffin, but Blake Griffin's rookie year, which he had sat out a year, I think Zion's physically mature enough that he's kind of where Blake was. But if you if you recall Blake pre-injuries at 21 years old in 2010-2011, Blake Griffin was an elite, elite high-flying athlete without a lot of uh, range on his game. He was, you know, the stupid criticism is all he does is dunk. He had 214 dunks that year. Uh, he shot 51 or 69% of his shots. Excuse me. He shot 41% of his shots at the rim and made 69% of them. His second year, he got even better. He took 44% of his shots at the rim and made 77%. Uh, the opening kind of reaction to Zion is how incredible his finishing has been. Now, no one's game planned for him yet. But with that said, I, I think there's a real chance he's the number one pick, similar or manner of Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin averaged 23 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, half a steal, half a block. Tried to shoot the three a little bit unsuccessfully. If Zion Williamson is a 22-12 and 12 guy, and the 12 might be a stretch for him. We'll have to watch him closely tonight. 
for the Pelicans, then they're tremendous. I mean, crazy tremendous. Zion had seven boards in 28 minutes the other night, three steals, three assists. You start to put 22-10 and 10 next to Derek Favors, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Balls, and Drew Holiday, and the Pelicans are fabulous. And I, I have the Pelicans finishing fifth in the Western Conference on my numbers. Seems insane. And that's with Zion being above average offensively, but not exceptional. It's with them being great defensively. They get thin fast. But I think this is a playoff team. And what gets interesting to me a little bit on this is Anthony Davis gets annihilated. We've talked about this before, but it's worth pointing out again. Anthony Davis gets annihilated for this, I want to get traded, and the league's worrying about tampering. What Chris Bosh did in Toronto, what Gordon Hayward did in Utah, is far, far more detrimental, what LeBron did to Cleveland, is far more detrimental to a franchise which is going to free agency, pretending you want to stay when you have no intention of staying, taking them to the finish line late in the process, and giving them nothing in return for your services is far more detrimental to a franchise than Anthony Davis, two years left on his contract, announcing he wants to leave and letting them go get Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Get set up for the draft, which they got lucky on. Josh Hart. That's a that's a very different circumstance and a far better circumstance than what the Jazz were in when Gordon Hayward abandoned ship after luring them to the finish line. So, kind of an int- it's interesting that the perspective on Anthony Davis is he's done this terrible thing, and we've had other players who've asked for the same, Paul George in Oklahoma City. They're actually doing a favor for their franchise. They're giving their franchise an opportunity. So interesting contrast there. Uh, but I really like the Pelicans. Drew Holiday is tremendous. Lonzo Ball lets him play off the ball a little bit. Their ba- defensive backcourt is probably the best in the NBA in Drew Holiday and Lonzo Ball. I am worried about whether Favors is prepared to play more than 25 minutes a night. I think that's one of the things that you know the last few years have done for Derek is preserved him. He does ever owes at dinner with Craig Bolajak and uh, Travis Henderson and Jeremy Brunner and Scott Rogers and Kristen Kennedy the other night, a nice ramen place in Milwaukee, and they they were all talking about the favors look slimmer. I have not seen that, but uh, we'll see whether or not that turns out uh, to be the case. So interesting there. Uh, I wanted to uh, other we'll, we'll do the coaches challenge thing here in a second. It's a new rule this year, um, and I wanted to kind of let everyone have their um, you know share some or give some insight on it if I can. Um, John Hollinger wrote his uh, next preview. Uh, the last preview he wrote was the one where he put the Jazz 6 and ignited a lot of fury. Uh, this one, he has the Rockets as the number one seed in the uh, in, in the Western Conference. Takes some shots at how horrifically boring they are and things like that nature in the years past because John's taking shots these days and having fun with it. Um, but they, they are the number one seed in the Southwest Division, the number one seed in the West at 54 wins. He then had the Pelicans number two, 
in that division at 44 wins and the seventh seed. I'd probably have him a little higher than that. Pelicans are becoming a universal playoff team. Spurs he had out of the playoffs. A lot of talk about the add of DeJounte Murray means that their shooters, Bryn Forbes, Patty Mills, are not on the floor. Oh, he had them in the playoffs. Actually, he has them as eighth. I take it back. He has them at eighth at 43 and 39. He has Dallas at ninth at 42 and 40, and then the Grizzlies bringing up the rear. Taylor Jenkins can do a nice job with the Grizzlies. They're just they're fifth, they're clearly the 15th best team, and there's just not wins to be had. Even if he does a nice job with that team and is a good coach and all of his pedigree is great as a coach, there's just, there's just not wins to be had in that one. So that's going to be... Um, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, I tell you guys to do these things, and nicely, somebody did it. That's right. So I told you, if you're heading over to Murdoch Hyundai or Murdoch Chevy, let me know. Like, if we're going to do these ads, and I'm going to tell you about them, and you're going to check it out on behalf of me, we don't need you walking in like a normal customer. Let's give you a little heads up. So Chase reached out to me. Said I'm heading to the Murray location. I told him to look up Jason Creech. Jason Creech sent me a text last night that said Blake came in looking for a Sonata. That's exactly how this is supposed to work. Why? You are part of the Locked On Jazz family. We have a relationship with the Murdochs. Why wouldn't we use this? And hopefully, I'm going to get an email coming up here shortly from Chase that says, I had a great experience. I got myself a Sonata. I saved a little extra money like the last guy did. So, if you're looking for a car right now, Murdoch Hyundai's at 4646 South State Street, or in Logan, or in Linden. In Linden, you get to talk to Blake. In Murray, you get to talk to Jason. And probably in Logan, you get to talk to Ben. And the Palisade is kicking butt. It's the big eight-seater they have. The Santa Fe is what we purchased recently. We purchased the kind of bigger one, which is what they now have made into the Palisade, uh, as well as the zippy little Kona and the Tucson. And Chase was looking for a Sonata. There's also the Elantra. They, the, you'll find out that for your money, you will get more features, more details, more safety features at, for, from the Hyundai than any other car on the market. And then it's up to you whether you like the look, you like the feel, you like the drive. But those are facts. So check it out. Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street in Logan and in Linden as well. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. 
So this year, for the first time, there's a coach's challenge in the NBA. In many ways, I would tell you that I think the coach's challenge is just because the NFL has it and they felt like they had to do something. I don't think it's going to be particularly impactful. Okay? That's the first thing um, I would tell you. But let's walk through it a little bit. So it's interesting. You get one challenge a game, and a timeout is on the line. So a few years ago, in order to speed up the game, the league changed the rules that at about the three-minute mark, I think it is, of the fourth quarter, if you, no matter how many timeouts you have, you drop down to two timeouts. So the scenario that most of us think about late in the game, Dwayne Wade driving to the basket last year, making that shot, wanting to use, that, use the challenge there to say that's not a foul call, is going to be few and far between. Because finding that foul call late in that game has to be in a circumstance in which you're willing to lose a timeout. Last year in the G League, about 50% of out-of-bounds calls were overturned and about 39% of foul calls were overturned. And uh, basket interference was at about 44%. So it's even, uh, you know, you're asking the guy who made the call to overturn the call, that seems difficult. And you're risking using a timeout. So unless I think there's 24 seconds left in the quarter and you and, and it's one possession game and you don't need that timeout because this foul call is going to determine the game, I, I don't think there's a great deal of value in saving your timeout for that mysterious circumstance. Because also in the last two minutes... Goaltending's already reviewed. Block charge is already reviewed. Out of bounds is already reviewed. So you're really only waiting for a foul call on a whistle. Now, the other thing, and that's key, by the way. By the way, You cannot challenge a non-call. So the whistle has to be blown. So if we go back to that Miami game, Dwayne Wade gets called for the foul, lunging into someone. If you don't think it's a foul, you could challenge that. The next play, Donovan drives, no foul call, misses. You cannot challenge that. It's a non-call. Right? So, that is a first. So, you're really leaving it that you're calling a late in the game. You're trying to get an official to overturn an important call that they miss late. That's reviewable. That was overturned at about 39% last year, and you're risking a timeout. So that, I think, only is going to be used if under 24 seconds because coaches want their timeouts. And it's really, it's a game, you know, you're suddenly down two possessions because of that call or vice or it changes the lead of the game. Um, you know, you're using that, you're calling timeout to get the challenge and using that timeout right there. So that would be the other aspect of it is that you do it while you are, you know, if you're going to call the timeout anyway, maybe you challenge that on the backside. Uh, the Jazz have done a tremendous amount of work on this. Um, you know, they had it in the G League last year. Bart Taylor, the Jazz uh, G League general manager, has done a, a huge amount of work on that. Um, Martin, their head coach, Corey Jez, who does uh, analytics for the Jazz, has done a huge amount of work on this. Um, really fascinating, good camaraderie between the front office and the um, 
coaching staff on how to best challenge, best use, when to use it. It in the simplest terms, um, there if you're taking points off the board or you're putting points on the board at any point in the game, it's worth it. I mean, to some extent, what the math says is you should use a challenge every single game. The problem is once you've used it, you've lost it, so it's hard to tell when. And there's silly things. So, like, if tonight Drew Holiday drives at Mike Conley in the non-bonus in the second quarter and they call a foul on Mike Conley that's not a foul and you review it, the impact is that they take the foul off of Mike Conley and New Orleans inbounds the ball anyway. There's no point. There's no value to that. There's that the, you actually gained nothing other than stopping action and using your. Now, if Jackson Hayes goes up and blocks a Mike Conley floater and it's goaltending, and it's in the first quarter of the game, you should use it. Like the math says, that saving it, even though it makes you more comfortable as a coach, till the end of the game doesn't doesn't actually work. The minute you have a chance to take points off the board or put points on, you should. The other one that gets really interesting when you try to analyze this, what happens if it's a third foul on Rudy Gobert in the second quarter with seven minutes left and you're going to lose five minutes of Rudy if that's what you believe you should do is sit him out? That's a discussion in and of itself. Do you challenge then? Do you use the coach's challenge to protect your player from fouls? The there's so many aspects. There's a bunch of psychological aspects that are really interesting and um, some things as well that um, the Jazz are, are, I don't know if they're ahead of the game because I don't know what other people are doing, but they've really thought about and worked through impressively. Um, but, you know, do you have to do that just to protect Rudy to make Rudy feel supported? Is a whole question in and of itself. Um, so the coach's challenge is going to be really interesting. The Maybe the biggest thing about the coach's challenge is in the NFL – you get the coach's challenge, and you have somebody looking at the replay. You have like a minute by which to decide. In the NBA, you have about 10 seconds, maybe less, by which time you have to call a timeout challenge before the ball is put back into play. And you can only do it again on a dead ball. So goaltending, you got to do it before they inbound. Foul call, you got to do it before they inbound. Um... It's pretty. It's pretty quick. It's. I, I. It doesn't. Frankly, researching it, and looking into it, I, I don't actually think it works. I think the league felt like you had to do it because other people had done it, but it doesn't really work in our game. Here's an interesting one. Um, Drew Holiday tonight drives to the basket, whistle on Mike Conley, shot goes up, shot goes in. Terrible call. You're certain of it. If you challenge, the basket still counts. You're now getting the ball, and they don't get free throws. So you've taken one free throw off the board. Your point value is probably about what? The average free throw shooter like Drew Holiday shoots 80%. So it's like 0.2 points to make that decision. Might not be worth it. Funny, right? Obvious foul, blew it, Drew Holiday. But because he makes the shot, it's only one free throw. Now, Drew Holiday drives, whistle, shoots, misses. Foul call, brutal call, challenge. Win the challenge. 
He doesn't get both free throws, so that's actually about a .4.5 value. Now we're probably talking worth it, but what's interesting is it's now a jump ball. So after a foul on a missed shot becomes a jump ball, well, part of the equation actually needs to then become, do we actually have guys in the game that can win a jump ball? Like, what's Rudy's jump ball percentage? Does Rudy win jump balls? Oh, wait, we don't have Rudy, and we have Ed Davis, and they have Boban. We're, we're, Boban doesn't play for New Orleans, but you get it. Like, oh, we're not winning this jump ball anyway. So if we're not going to win the jump ball anyway, then all we're doing, we're taking away free throws, but we're giving them another possession that's basically of equal value or similar value. Like, it's really detailed. And there's really, like, one nuance after another to getting whether you should challenge that. I think that one's the most interesting. Like, if you know you're not going to win the jump ball, they're getting another possession, which is worth a point. If they're going to the free throw line with a 70% free throw shooter and they're taking two free throws, well, that's worth more than a point, so it's probably worth it to still challenge because that's, but it's not worth, it's worth half a point. And so then that challenge is probably worth another half point, and that's probably worth it. But if it's a bad free throw shooter, so it's, I don't know if Boban's a bad free throw shooter or not. I'm using Boban as the example. It's suddenly Boban going, and you know he's a bad free throw shooter, and he's going to win the jump ball. Well, then all of a sudden I'm not sure whether it's totally worth it or not. How crazy is all that? So the coach's challenge will be interesting. Uh, It was used about 20% of all games in the G League. It's kind of the numbers. So it's not going to be prevalent if you're looking for a major change there. I just thought that'd be interesting. All right, let's get to know Mike Conley. The Locked On NBA yearly preview extravaganza is out. The Pacific Division edition is uh, out right now at Locked On NBA. It's a six-day series going through each and every division. So make sure you grab that, listen to it. Um, We have each of the local experts previewing their team, plus the new show, Rejecting the Screen with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stenko are giving their tomorrow's headlines, and then Josh Lloyd gives his fantasy basketball breakdown. By the way, this right now is something we have not had on this show very often. An open inventory slot. That's right. If you want to advertise on Locked On Jazz, there's an open inventory spot right here. at D. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. We have not had open inventory very often this show in the last two years. D-Lock, L-O-C-K-E, 09 at gmail.com if you want your company to be advertising on Locked On Jazz. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now 
now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. Starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network, right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. The NBA restart has its first big injury. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Orlando Magic forward Jonathan Isaac suffered a torn ACL in his left knee on Sunday. Listen to Locked On Magic for where Isaac and Orlando goes from here. To the ice. The qualifying series in the NHL are on, and the Minnesota Wild began with a 3-0 win over the Canucks. Joe Bully and Tony Abbott of Locked On Wild have a victory recap, and the Locked On NHL podcast has Western Conference playoff predictions. And finally, as college football conferences around the country try to figure out how they are going to restart, a group of Pac-12 players is demanding safety protocols and threatening to opt out of the season. I would point you to Locked On Big Ten podcast and a very interesting discussion on creative solutions to solve college football's mounting problems. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's get to know Mike Conley. If you took me back to your hometown, I believe Arkansas, if I remember correctly, Uh, what would you show me? What were the things you'd... What would I show you in Fayetteville? Gosh, um, we have a lot of farms. There's like... Uh, maybe just like the university, man. The university is special there, the University of Arkansas. My dad has a statue actually in the Bo Walton Arena, which I, I show everybody that comes to town. I think that's really cool. So, um, I mean, and there's there's great golf. There's a lot of things you can do out there. It's just really country life. So, um, I mean, it's different. You still spend time there? I do. I actually uh, was just there a few weeks ago. I spend maybe two or three trips out the year. I take the kids down, and my mom gets to – hang with the kids and hang with us at the same time so we really enjoy it what was your birth order do you have brothers and sisters yeah i have uh three brothers uh i mean two brothers and a sister and uh i'm the oldest of the the four siblings and uh my youngest brother is actually in college now at the university of arkansas so it's pretty cool he's 10 years apart from me so it's pretty cool to, to see it kind of all go back full circle. It's interesting when I do, I've asked that question to everyone. It's always usually the younger brothers yeah. who are the ones who make the NBA because they were competing <laughs> with the older brothers. So right, how did this right. work for the older brother? Well, um, it's a little different. You know, my, my, uh, our gap was so big that it was just like, you know, we never really got to play in the same way as my next to youngest brother who's three years younger than me and my sister's six years younger. So we, we played together a little bit more and my sister went to college for track and my older brother, my youngest older brother, brother's in LA. He's doing his thing. So, um, yeah, the, the, the little guy is not so little anymore. Uh, he's bigger than all of us and, uh, you know, he might be the best athlete and the smartest of all of us. So we'll see. If you took me back to your childhood room, what's, what was inside on the walls or what was the what was your room like? Man, um, my room had basketballs everywhere, any kind of ball. Um, wasn't big or anything. I had a bed and I had a bunch of like, like toy dolls of like you know Michael Jordan or like you know Scottie Pippen, just any anything basketball. I had a basketball Fisher Price hoop in the corner um, that I used to make my dad play one on one with me. And he had to get on his knees, of course, and 
and uh, I would shoot from my bed all the time. And just you know, before I go to bed, I shoot a bunch of balls at the at the ceiling. I mean, I was that I was that kid. So uh, my room was just basketball, basketball oriented. That's great. Uh, who was was your who pushed you? Like was your who was the hardest on you? Ah, uh, the hardest on me it would have to have been my dad, because um, he just you know he was no nonsense as far as you know cutting corners and he really taught me how to be a pro <clears throat> how to come in and work and you know really use your time wisely and things like that and so I really you know just never wanted to you know do anything without you know dotting my eyes and crossing my t's with everything so he's really been a you know guy to influence me a lot you win these two incredible awards this offseason team of the year and community I mean the, unbelievable and I've said publicly, I think one of your greatest values is going to be for Donovan because Donovan wants to be that guy, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to show him you can be a star mm-hmm. and be that guy. Yeah. How have you been able to do that? Uh, man, it's a lot of work. It's actually, you know, I've had two or three seasons, off seasons, where I had to go back in the summer and reinvent myself personally. Like, you know, I'm this one guy, that I'm this nice guy, you know, that everybody knows and loves and all that stuff. But on the court, I have to be a I have to be a different person. I, have, I might have to be more vocal. I might have to be more of a dog in situations, and that wasn't my natural you know stance on things. So for me to to get a guy like myself to learn and, and adjust to that and be okay yelling at a guy or you know not yelling at a guy or just taking you know, taking control of a game and being more aggressive in certain points, I had to learn that, and it was something that never came naturally to, to me. So. Once I did, you know, my game was in place. It was just the mental and the, you know, the, the, the preparation side of it. Once that came together, I think it really helped it all, you know, kind of mesh. Because I talked to one of your old coaches this offseason doing my job, and he gave you the kind of the ultimate compliment. He's like, oh, Mike Conley's great, but he is a total beep, beep. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of the greatest compliment you can yeah. give a player, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's exactly what you want to hear. You know, you want to hear them, you know, say, hey, he's the kind of guy I'd want him to marry my daughter, you know, this, yada, yada, yada. But, Man, I do not want to play against him, you know, and that's that's the kind of you know kind of thing I want to put out there. What's the toughest thing you've ever had to overcome? Um, toughest thing I've ever had to overcome. I think over the last two or three years, just the the injury, the the Achilles um, deal that I had. Even though I, I had surgery two summers ago on it, but I was dealing with it for three seasons prior to that. So like that whole four year span was was just me trying just barely making it through you know just like man I'm, I can't I, like this is hurting so bad I need to fix I need to do something um but the problem was we were in the playoffs every year and we were trying to make a push and we were trying to make a run so I was like I'm not missing that for anything so I'm doing everything I can to stay on the court and balancing that and you know just was a tough part of my career um but mentally man you know thankfully my family and my kids they're all you know they're my support system um they kept me together and uh and shoot i feel like i i saved a year from having that year off from from the surgery that's we're going through 16 17 it's like yeah an unbelievable year that's one of the great years yeah you've ever had so go through that whose praise matters to you most um actually i think my my mom and my grandma um you know my family my kids my mom I mean, all those all those people are the most important to me. Um, my brothers and sisters, like if they if they they're the ones that would be real with me. If they see something is off, or you know, I'm doing really well or not doing really well, they're they're okay to say something. And those are the people I I lean to. Uh, you've been around all these teams. What is the key to a successful basketball culture of a team? Um, 
I think the buy-in, I think where everybody buys in to a one ultimate goal and all the personal things are set aside. You're not worried about making all-star teams. You're not worried about how many points you score. You're not worried about that, all that stuff, the money, all that stuff. Once everybody buys in and sacrifices for each other, that is the, the mark of a true, true, really good team because, you know, coaches can be great. You know, the, the systems and everything can be great, but if not everybody's all in, it makes it a nightmare, you know, when you have just one guy out of sorts. You know, if you get all the guys together, um, you're, a tough, you're a tough team. When a fan thinks of Mike Conley, what do you want them to think? Oh, man. Uh, I just want them to think I'm a winner, honestly. And by that, I mean just somebody who does whatever it literally takes to win. And that means if I score 10 points, 40 points, five assists, 20 assists, whatever you want me to do, three charges, no charges. Like, I want to be that. That's the kind of person I am and I've always been. And um, and that's what I want them to remember me as. And what about if a teammate thinks of you? I want I want to be the best teammate they ever had. You know, I want that to be, you know, every if, whether I'm here five years or two years, whatever it is, I want as soon as, you know, we're no longer teammates, I want them to, to feel that, you know, a special way about our time together. Mike's a special dude. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.